The U.S. Supreme Court recently handed down two huge wins for free speech and religious freedom. Today, we're going to talk about what that means for Virginians, especially for our schools and local Christian ministries. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. You know, now that we've been liberated, so to speak, from most of the COVID regulations, life is kind of starting to get back to normal, but it's still a little weird because now we have to remember what normal looks like, right? Yeah, I, I think there are some things that have changed, some for the better, some for the worse. I have some friends complaining, for example, that they have to wear makeup again. Um, personally, <laughs> right. we did so many webinars, so many video things. I wore makeup every day of the pandemic, so I didn't ever. But, you know, you hear those comments. Yeah. It was kind of nice to only have to do half your face when you went out to the grocery store or something. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we got to notice the traffic is back. I mean, maybe not to the same exact degree because there are some people still working from home. But if you're coming into an office every day, you have felt the pickup of people that are volume wise on the roads. Absolutely. You know, when I first moved here to Virginia, it was right before COVID. So I'm thinking, well, this is a nice, sweet drive. Well, lately, the last couple of weeks, you know, it's like, what just happened? Because I've been in standstill traffic on 95 and it's it's a whole different world. Well, getting into our serious topic today, it's about the Supreme Court rulings that really are going to have huge ramifications on religious freedom and free speech rights. Let's just start with focusing on the one that dealt most with uh, religious freedom, and that's Fulton versus City of Philadelphia. Tell us about that, Victoria. Yeah, the Supreme Court handed faith-based agencies across the nation a significant victory with a rare unanimous 9-0 ruling. Um, So basically at the heart of this case was the city of Philadelphia was refusing to work with a Catholic adoption agency simply because of the tenets of their faith. They believe children are best. It is actually their belief about the best interest of a child, that they are best with a mom and a dad. And the city of Philadelphia has other opinions about what makes uh, a family and so forth. And so they had cut them off. So... um, Uh, What was at stake was the faith-based ministries, really their ability to operate. And basically the court ruled that the city could not justify its actions. They actually knew discrimination on religion when they saw it. You know, the court looked at it and said, you can't just discriminate because of somebody's faith, whether it's a person or an entity. So um, that was encouraging. Um, And it's important to understand that the Catholic social services has just been a huge part of the foster care system in Philadelphia and just putting people in homes. Yeah, they had been doing this for over 50 years. So for the city to come along, you know, at the latter part of that and say, oh, we're going to cut you out now, it it just was um, a very good example of completely unreasonable discrimination. And I think another point that's really important is that when you look at the facts of this case, no same-sex couple had actually asked to be certified as a foster care family or parents through this Catholic agency. So it's kind of like the city was claiming it was trying to solve a problem that didn't really exist. We've actually seen this on many times when faith-based entities are attacked. It's not an actual person that has a problem with them. It's an ideology. It's an agenda that is moving against them. And Chief Justice Roberts even pointed that out, that the city didn't have a good case to make about why it was increasing, uh, you know, why it was discriminating against the Catholic services. And he said specifically, if anything, including Catholic social services in the program, seems like to increase, not reduce the number of available foster parents. Yeah, if you are, if this is really about the kids and you want to have more safe and nurturing homes for them to go into, that did not add up. 
because we need the faith-based agencies to increase more homes for kids, is what he was saying. And, you know, that just pretty much blew apart the arguments being used here, right here in our home state of Virginia to exclude Christian adoption agencies, right? Yeah, we've actually been fighting this discrimination issue with adoption since Governor Kane. That's like almost two decades ago of how long this has been a, a battle in Virginia with not actual real problems. Again, back to that point. Um, but so I think it's really significant. And I think that 9-0 ruling serves to tell our Virginia lawmakers that even the most liberal Supreme Court justices agree with the state's religious conscience protection law that we put in place to protect these agencies. Yeah, that really does put them on shaky footing if they're going to try these attacks again. And I love the point you made in our press release on this, that it's really just common sense. If we really want to be a truly free and tolerant society and we want as many diverse providers as possible in our foster care agencies, then obviously we want to include more religious charities, not look for ways to exclude them. Now, before we move on to discussing another case, I do think it's worth mentioning that there were some religious freedom advocates who felt this Fulton case didn't quite go far enough. Can you explain what those concerns were to us, Victoria? There's a lot of folks who were hoping the court would literally overturn a precedent called Smith, which is this idea where they had a really a case that was decided a long time ago, and it was it was actually over peyote and people going to work on peyote, but it's saying it's part of their religious, you know, thing. And the court said that there's instead of the government having to have a compelling reason to stop you from doing what your religious exercise does, they only have to have sort of a rational reason to have a law like you can't be high, um, you know. And so the problem is we wanted them to overturn that because the government should have a huge burden on them. Like they should have to prove why they absolutely need a law to impose on somebody's religion. And they didn't in this case. But here's the good news. Um, the, the good news is there's a, there's sort of a theory going on right now. And I don't love this for every case. But the theory is that there's a possibility the court is trying to have these really unanimous decisions, so they're on narrow issues, in order to stop the idea of court packing. And we know that's a dangerous thing. And the court may be trying to send a message here that says, you you know, even adding one or two justices isn't going to change the direction of this court. So please don't play around with that politically. So you kind of kind of take the good with the bad sometimes. Okay, so that's interesting, because it would be really important for the government to be the one that has the burden of proof if you are going to run over someone's religious freedoms. And I guess Justice Alito, I think it was him, right, that was expressing that he was so disappointed that they didn't address that. So do you think it's worth it then to have this strong, unanimous precedent to strengthen the court's record on religious freedom, even if it's not quite as broad as we wanted? Yeah, you got to have a win for those kids in Philadelphia. You got to start with that. So look at what we're actually trying to solve. And it hel- and it does send a resounding message to us here in Virginia fighting it. And yes, it does. It does continue to chip away at any place where the court's been weak on religious freedom. So we'll just have to keep bringing cases when they arise, which unfortunately we know religious freedoms are at peril everywhere and that these cases are coming before the court. And we'll just have to kind of keep asking them the question because there were several justices that said, we wish this went further, right? They just didn't get to a majority or they decided it's more important to get that large number on the court on a narrower issue. So I think we have great hope. And you can probably expect this kind of thing, or maybe we should have kind of the same perspective on the abortion issue, too. Yeah, I I, I will be honest. We want them to go real big on the next abortion case they have in our direction. And of course, they may again sort of find a narrow win out of that. But again, we want things to be incremental. We don't need the court. They're not supposed to be legislating anyway. We just want them deciding what's right and wrong when things when people do legislate and violate our constitutional rights. 
Thanks for tuning in if you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. Well, another key ruling that just came down a few days ago centers around what everyone is calling the cheerleading case. Tell us about that and why it is significant. Yeah, I mean, this is being called the biggest student free speech case in the last half century. In this case, Mahoney School District versus BL, the justices ruled eight to one that in most situations, public schools cannot supervise or punish students for speech that takes place off campus and outside school hours. Um, at issue this time was a high school cheerleader who didn't make the varsity team and decided to vent uh, on Snapchat with a profanity-laden post. But then she was disciplined by the school by being suspended from cheerleading for the next year. And But with the help of the ACLU, she sued the school, saying that the school violated her free speech rights and shouldn't be able to extend its arm into what she's doing on her own free time outside of school. And essentially, the court agreed that the school had overreached in a way that violated the First Amendment. Well, you mentioned the ACLU, and I think one thing that's especially interesting about this case is that other conservative and religious freedom groups also filed supporting briefs in favor of the students' free speech rights. I think the Americans for Prosperity and I think it was the Rutherford Institute um, joined with the liberals at the ACLU in finding common ground on this. Why do you think that occurred in this case? Well, I think both sides of the aisle have an interest in free speech, and they both obviously know this is an insignificant Snapchat post with cuss words, but that one day it might involve something more significant. Um, so like a student's right to speak out about an important cultural issue outside of the school or, you know, re religious statements that are made outside of the school by a, by a student. Yeah, from, uh, you know, uh, you think of the, the protests that happen with students on gun rights. So maybe, you know, the ACLU's thinking about that kind of thing. Do If they do that outside of school, you know, would they be punished for that? For Christian groups like ours, I think we really want to protect students' rights to be able to express a biblical perspective on social media, you know, in a public forum outside of school, especially with all the conversation that's happening in our society right now on crit uh, critical race theory or same-sex marriage. We don't want to see this scenario where kids, you know, post their biblical opinion and then find themselves being punished at school. So this helps protect against that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think both sides are thinking about two totally different things. You know, we're thinking about religious freedom and those kind of things. They might be thinking about some liberal issues. But it's really important that the court tells schools that they're they're limited in their power and that especially in the world of COVID, where we were all there was just so many kids on virtual screens and it blurs the line. It makes things fuzzy about what's what starts and stops and who's in the whether the school can literally like look in your bedroom and see speech behind your you family living your, room yeah your poster you know your poster on your wall says something and oh how dare you send a message during the classroom and so I do think it's really important that we start you know having a decision that goes down this road um, and specifically the way Justice Breyer put it he said when it comes to political or religious speech that occurs outside school or a school program or activity the school will have a heavy burden to justify intervention so they did leave room for bullying um, social you know uh, where people are really going after other kids in a way that does play out both in their mental health and um, in and the school room. And the school environment. Yeah. So I think they left themselves some room, but they said there really, really needs to be justification. And surely a profanity-laced cheerleader post is not going to be something that is so damaging the school needs to step in. 
Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award, where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Well, the Loudoun County School District has continued to make the news in a big way for the last few weeks. They just keep adding fuel to this fire. Yeah, this time it was about a middle school student that actually his parents opted him out of basically these lessons on transgenderism for Pride Month. And what did they do? They put him in a closet. Yeah, it was basically a little closet. And this kind of stuff just keeps boiling over at the school board meetings. And I think a lot of parents and students are getting to the point where they just feel like the public comment section during the meetings are the only place they have a voice. Yeah, that's right. And if you didn't get to see it, what happened was they actually go, you know, all these courageous parents file into the school board meeting, they show up, and then the school board cuts off the mics. So if you didn't get our inside perspective on this, there were still courageous parents speaking up after they cut off the mics. One of the most moving was this young girl. I think she had just been a freshman in high school when she got this explicit assignment dealing with group sex of all things. Let's just hear her testimony real quick. I felt violated. My grades began to slip and my mental health declined. Eventually, I no longer felt safe in the halls of my own school. So I had to switch back to distance learning. Please hear me when I say we need change. We need to protect students like me from sexual material in school settings. Because I don't want another kid to go through the trauma I went through this year. And I'm honestly just disgusted that they're not here to hear me say this. Well, to sum things up, even though the school board cut off the mics, they couldn't drown out the voices of students like this brave girl, and as well as the parents who spontaneously sang the star-sangled banner at the school board. So um, even when they walked out on them. Yeah, they're singing while the school board's walking out. So if you didn't see that, be sure to go to our website and check out our special report on that. And I guess this will be the second time, I think, that we've given the Loudoun School District the... Uh, inconceivable award, and this time it's for making public comments an unlawful assembly. They actually declared it an unlawful assembly. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time, and don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.